We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. Answer questions folks have about the community because it's, uh, it's a little different than a lot of churches people try out. So, And often I find myself in these conversations with newcomers saying this. Maybe you have heard me say it. <clears throat> I will say, if you have 10 units of energy to give to the community, spend eight of those units on making friends. Uh, not just sports and weather friends, sharing life, walking the journey together, friends. Now, occasionally, a newcomer will respond when I say that. It's happened uh, a couple of times recently. Well, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. You're the reverend man. I know what you're supposed to say now. You're supposed to tell me about some newcomers group. You're supposed to tell me about a doctrine class. By the way, we've got a good newcomers class. We do not have a doctrinal class. Uh, you're supposed to be talking to me about volunteering. What are you talking about making friends? And I make it very clear to them that this is not being noble, though I am quite noble. This is not me just looking out for you, though I actually do look out for other people. This is me looking out for the health of our community. Because our community is not built on everybody believing the right stuff. That is not where we get our strength. Our community is not built on everybody volunteering, everybody pulling their weight, everybody working for God. Now that said, you should go down to the nursery and you should look at the preschool doors with their great big window and then you should give a hug and a kiss to Ray right there who actually was working for God, you know. <laughs> no, our community's health is built on friendships. Oftentimes, we will grapple with big ideas together. Oftentimes, we will volunteer and we will serve one another. But what makes both of those meaningful is doing it in the context of lives that are knit together on a spiritual journey. If you missed the financial report last week, I hope you'll have a listen. We're going to undertake a project in the fall, see if we can do it. Uh, and it's going to require our time. It's going to require energy and dollars and love. Now, if we were to undertake this project that I talked about last week because working for God, if we were to undertake this project because giving our money is what we should do. This is what a church do. I am not confident at all that we would be able to do it. But if our hours and dollars, if our love and energy goes to our friends and goes to the kids of our friends and to the kids of friends that we don't even have yet but will, then I become very confident in this project we were talking about. Because that's the way that human community works and that's the way that the human brain works. Human beings do things for people we love. We do mutual aid and mutual aid happens in the context of that thing, friendship. With strangers, we do trade. Very valuable, very useful. Cash for services, transactional relationships, mutual benefit. But within friendship, we go beyond reciprocity. 
friends sacrifice. Friends prioritize. Friends create life together. Uh, Nobel Prize winner, he's a researcher, Daniel Kahneman. He wrote, people are the happiest, after he'd done a whole bunch of research on this, people are happiest when you catch them in the moments in their lives when they are with their friends. Also, the research indicated that one of the best predictors of a successful marriage, it's as important as having a healthy sexual life, is having a deep friendship with our partner. If you have three friends at work, you become 96% happier on average. That is not 96% happier at work. That becomes 96% happier, almost double your rate of happiness in your life if you've got three friends that you work with. Get a raise makes you happier. It does. But a 2008 study in the Journal of Socioeconomics says that we to replace the happiness that we get from having a network of friends, you would have to get a raise of $97,000 a year. <laughs> so I just walk right in and ask for that raise. <laughs> On the other hand, not having friends makes us die. The health consequences of not having friends are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Breast cancer survival rates go up by four times among women who have been diagnosed who have a rich network of friendships. A study of men that have a network of friendships sees very similar findings regarding heart disease. So a bunch of individuals, unrelated by blood, gather on Ridge Road so that they can gather in parks and in playgrounds breweries and backyards and develop mutual affection and develop mutual support. That is where our community's strength resides. Not in our doctrines, not in the work that we do on behalf of one another, it's in our friendships. So, <clears throat> if you've got 10 energy units to give to the community, spend eight of those units making friends. Now here's the problem. For all of the enrichment that friendship gets us in our lives, as an institution, friendship is not very well supported in our society. Uh, we don't have any social structures that contend for the well-being of friendships. We make no formal commitments around our friendships. Friendships are 100% voluntary, friendships are fragile, and friendships have rules that are very fuzzy. If you don't speak to your spouse for several weeks, if you don't speak to your kids for several weeks, the social rules are very clear. You will be hearing about that. But if you don't speak to your friend for several weeks, it's very acceptable. Friends are the easiest relationship to neglect. When we become short of time, when we become short of energy, it is socially easiest to let our friendships go. Consequently, after seven years of having a significant friendship, half of those friendships have lost the closeness that they had. For many, that starts around our 30s when life gets demanding, when job and career and family begins to pick up and squeezes out the space and time, and the socially easiest to let go relationship ends up going. So even though, again, all that research, 
friendships are at least as, perhaps even more, powerful and happiness-inducing and meaning-making in our lives as family relationships are, friendships get the short end of the stick. But that's actually part of it. Friendship has this outsized benefit in our lives, partly because of the fragility of friendship. Because friendship is not supported by social structures, not supported by social norms, it's always a choice. Friendship cannot be forced. People don't stop being your parent or being your boss or being your spouse because you get your feelings hurt or because you get tired of them. But friends, everybody can walk away at any time. Wonderful introduction, Doug. Thank you. Very helpful. Friendships are valuable, but they're fragile. Got it. But this is a lesson on letting go. <laughs> this is a lesson on detaching from the things that we give too much place in our lives, practical things that we let go that help us let go of the bigger things, these skewed versions of self. By the way, if you missed any parts of the lesson, you can have a listen online. What does this have to do with that? I am glad you asked. <laughs> When I sent Lindsay that synopsis I said to her of the lesson this week, here's what I said. I said, love helps us let go. Love helps us let go of self-protection, self-assertion, self-demanding. Love is the gateway to awakening to our authentic selves. If you start down this journey that we've been talking about in this lesson, you start down this letting go journey, we need love. We need to know when I get to the thing that I'm going to have to let go of that's the core version of my very self thing and when I am there and when I am facing that and I'm about to let go of that, when I get myself out there on that ledge ready to jump into the abyss, when it all goes to shit, I need people around me. I need these people who know me. I need these people who will be there when it hits the fan. And if I do, okay then, maybe I can do this thing. Control the world. <laughs> Control as many variables in the world as possible. Drive hard, push through, do that, and it will become a version of me. It did from, for this version of me. But then comes the day when we are out there on the ledge considering what kind of fool am I to even think about this, considering letting go of that primary trait that has defined my life, I am pretty sure this is going to end badly. But when it does, these people know me. When it does, I am confident they will be there when it hits the fan. Okay then. Maybe I can do this. Well, doggone it, people like me. Of course they do because I make them feel good. I'm a good listener. I'm a good connector. I am thoughtful and I am caring. But now I am realizing as true as that is, it's not a big enough truth for me to build my life on because I have grown hungry for relationships that reciprocate. 
And now I've got to say, this is kind of scary because it feels like for me to get reciprocating relationships, I'm going to have to get all selfish and demanding. And I'm pretty confident that is not going to go well because niceness works for me. Selflessness works for me. So now here I am out here on the ledge considering letting go of this primary way that I have experienced my world. So when this ends badly, because I'm pretty confident it's going to, when this ends badly, I trust this friend. I trust these friends. At least I will not be cleaning this mess up alone. And if that's so, okay then, maybe I can do this. I take care of what needs to be taken care of. Financial plan, check. Retirement, properly funded. Appropriate levels of insurance, got all the levels. I've seen the perils, I've seen the pitfalls, I have made a plan. But what I haven't really done, I'm starting to realize now, I have not adventured. I haven't really stretched into, I haven't really pushed into other areas of life. Now I'm feeling the lack. Feel like for me to grow, I'm going to need to take risks. I'm going to need to take chances. And I don't do that. That's just disaster waiting to happen. Except I live alongside these friends and I trust them and I watch them and I watch how they approach life and they do it differently. Now I will tell you they could use a dose of how I live <laughs> but I will also tell you I could use a dose of how they live. So maybe, maybe I could do this. If you have got 10 units of energy to give the community, spend eight of those units making friends. Authentic friendships are fragile and they are fuzzy. They are vulnerable and they are hard to sustain and they are easy to neglect. They are the first to go when life gets demanding. And if you've got 10 units of energy for the community, spend eight of them making friends. Here's why. Our community needs you to become the kind of person you will become if you have authentic spiritual friendships in your life. Our community needs you to become the kind of person you will become if you have authentic spiritual friendships in your life. Aristotle was the grand student of Socrates. Socrates, then Plato, then Aristotle. Turns out Aristotle had a lot to say about friendship. He suggested we think about friendship as having another self. <laughs> Silly philosophers, having another self, what is that about? Uh, <clears throat> those are pretty words, but what does that mean? Well, it turns out a bunch of researchers put a bunch of brains through a bunch of MRI scans, asked a bunch of people about friends. And what do you know? The same part of the brain lights up when, we are, when a friend's name is mentioned as lights up when our own name is mentioned. The way this works is early in our friendships, we recognize that my friend is like me. 
But over time and over shared experience and over mutual care, the like me part begins to expand and get bigger inside of us until our brains begin to blur the line between where me ends and where friend begins. What we end up doing is make the very notion of self smaller so that we can afford more space to include more stuff, including friend which again is just crazy, Aristotle, which again is just crazy neurological researchers, except it sounds a lot like the spiritual tradition. It sounds a lot like the ancient wisdom, a friend closer than a brother. The very version of self that is not big enough needs to expand to include more and more. So if you've got 10 units of energy for the community, spend eight of them, making friends. We need you to become the kind of people people become when they have authentic spiritual friends. But again comes the catch. Friends take time and friends take energy. Here's some more research. About 60 hours gets you friend light. About 100 hours hours gets you friend full-fledged. 200 or more hours gets you authentic spiritual friend. That's a lot of time, and time is finite. There aren't a lot of batches of 60 hours just to be thrown around. Not a lot of batches of 100 hours or 200 hours to be thrown around. You hear me say at the end of the service every week, <clears throat> there is always good return when we invest in spiritual community. Here's a reason behind that. What spiritual community does is create, intentionally create spaces for several layers of friendship. There's the all of us together level of friendship where we care for the community together. Also, community creates spaces for friends light. We do groups where we can get to know someone well enough that we could, if we wanted, if we had more time, develop into the further uh, reaches of friendship. We do create the space for the full-fledged friend, the 100-hour kind. Do in those same groups, we often uh, organize them to intentionally talk about stuff that people don't intentionally talk about. And if you're going to make the 200-hour uh, kind of friend, the friend-for-life kind of friend, to do it in a context where people are growing and transforming gives that friendship the best possibility of not wearing out over that seven years because we keep growing and transforming as we go through that together. So we say all the time, when we give our time, when we give our energy, when we give our love, the community takes that, takes those resources, amplifies them, and gives them back to us in the form of an environment in which human beings thrive, grow, and flourish. Well, this is that environment. The environment in which we thrive and grow and flourish, authentic spiritual friendships. So if you've got 10 units of energy, and I'd like to finish with a couple of insights from a field of study called signaling theory. <coughs> we human beings, we connect via signals. So, living out there as hunter-gatherers, I have a thing, or I know a thing, or 
I possess a thing and you do not. So I send you a signal. My signal says I am open to sharing my thing or my signal says I am not open to sharing my thing. We use words for signals, we use actions, we use behaviors, we use body language and we signal share my thing or not share my thing. Now, relationships being reciprocal as they are, it is in my best interest to signal to you I will share my thing. But that means I might not be sending that signal sincerely. (laughs) I might be doing it out of my interest instead of your interest. So now you've got to find out. Am I, when I'm sending a signal, do I really have that thing? Or am I really open to sharing that thing? You've got to then begin to make judgments about the signals that I send. And it turns out we human beings are pretty good at those signals. Uh, And here's how signaling bears on friendship. We want reciprocal relationships in our lives. Our ability to thrive and flourish is enhanced by having as many reciprocal relationships as we can, very beneficial. So it's in my interest to signal, I am trustworthy, you can trust me. But then you have to assess, really? Are you really trustworthy? Can I trust you? If I look out for you, will you look out for me? If I share a confidence, will you protect my confidence? Will you reciprocate and share a confidence in return? I see you're here today, but will you? Will you be here tomorrow? But here's the thing about signals. Signals can be easy, and that makes signals cheap. It is very easy to say, I am here for you. It's very easy to smile at someone. It's very easy to use the right body language. Very easy. Dale Carnegie, 80 years ago, taught us exactly how to do it. You don't even have to read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because there's a guru on every corner who's willing to teach you how to handle people. All you got to do is be understanding. All you got to do is actively listen. All you've got to do is not argue, but draw out alternative perspectives. All you've got to do is be likable. All you've got to do is be appreciative, be grateful. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to remember names. You've got to focus on people's interests. There are lots of people who will tell you exactly how to send signals. But all those ing- signals are very easy, which makes all those signals pretty cheap. People do it all the time when they want to sell us stuff. They'll send us the signals. Here's an expensive signal. Time. You don't get much of it, and that makes it expensive. Expensive, then, becomes meaningful. If I say you can trust me with time, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. But that makes, you, uh, makes it pretty obvious what the problem's going to be for us. You can see it coming, right? Ours is a time-strapped society. Friends take time. And there's no special protections for friendships. They're very easy to let go. Ours is an increasingly friendless society. We increasingly do not enjoy all those benefits that I mentioned in the introduction. Now, 
to make time for friendship, again, there's a bunch of research. I think Notre Dame is where I, where I found this one. It's best to create a rhythm. We walk on Saturdays, or we phone on the weekend, or we exercise together, or we go to coffee before work. In that same research, uh, to maintain a friendship, uh, you need to make contact and have time together about every two weeks. To, that's to maintain a friendship. To make a friendship and to begin to develop a friendship takes even more time than that. So here is the thing that you hear in a lot of our lessons when Doug goes out and scours the world looking for the best wisdom to bring and lay at your feet. Here is what you hear. What, is it, what are you going to have to say no to to be able to say yes to this? Because friendships are a dire lack in our lives. And they're going to be costly. What do we have to say no to to be able to say yes to this? But it's not just time. It's actually worse than that. <laughs> it's also the kind of time. It turns out if you spend your time trying to impress people, you will not build friendships. Honest time will build friendships. Impress you people time will not. If we signal, I am good, or I have got my life together, not that helpful. If we signal, I am powerful, and I am likable, and I am rich. I am very advanced psycho-emotionally, you should know that. I'm a star, <laughs> I am a star meditator over here, almost guru, yes, that's me. That time is still very expensive. Because time just is expensive. We don't have very much of it. But it is not going to build friendships. Signaling high status actually harms friendships. It helps you sell stuff. It helps you build a business. It helps you in commerce. In all these other areas it helps. It does not help when it comes to developing friendships. I think the reason Brene Brown sells a gazillion books is because she has tapped into this core principle that authenticity and vulnerability are at the core of building relationships. And right now we live in a relationship-starved society. So, buy the woman's books. All right, so here's the recap. Expensive signals build friendships. Cheap signals do not. Time is expensive. Authenticity is expensive. Let's talk about that, authenticity being expensive. You know, just like I do, telling people about our real lives is scary. And scary means expensive. Because if I tell you about my real life and then you reject that, that cuts deeply. It's better if I put up this persona life than if you reject it, eh, it wasn't me anyway. So that's the dilemma. We need friends. We need friends in a so I don't die kind of way. But friends don't happen without expensive, without purposeful, intentional, and difficult. And we don't have time, and we don't like authenticity. Except we do. And we do. We do have time, and we do like authenticity. It's just hard to break habit. Our brains are habituated to one way to spend time. 
Consequently, it is hard to say no to that way of spending time so that we can say yes to another way to spend time. We have stitched together stories, all, all of us have done it, that says, I can't possibly not do that. And yet, to be human is to have friends. And we won't have friends without time. So however valuable that thing is, it's not as valuable as this core part of our humanity. And our brains are habituated to best foot forward. We all do it. We do it in all these contexts of our lives. So consequently, our brains are habituated to having weather and sports friends. So it's hard to be authentic. But we do want it. We do want to spend the time and we do want to be authentic because we do want what time and authenticity get us. Expensive signals communicate you are part of a small subset of people in my life. I can't possibly do this with everyone. There aren't enough hours in the day. Expensive signals, costly signals, are how friendships develop. So I learned this authenticity part uh, when I was 22. I learned it in an episode. I will tell you someday. But since I've been 22, I have been very intentional about being transparent, about being honest, and about being vulnerable. It's been a lifelong and persistent project. I am much better at it than I was. Than I was, I would not say I am good at it. Not because if I ever see something, I don't do it. I do. It's just there's a lot of things I don't see. I uh, have just baked in, don't show vulnerability into my personality. Whenever I see that, I make myself do it. Again, lifelong project. So I've been doing this. And I can stand with some authority and testify to you, it is not as dangerous as it looks. Two times two significant times in my life out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interactions in which I was authentic, in which I was vulnerable, in which I was transparent. Two times someone used my weakness against me. And both of those times, they hurt. But I was better off when that broke the relationship. I was better off without that relationship than I had been with it. So, we consistently overestimate the negative impact of authenticity. We significantly overestimate the threat that it poses to us. I bet you do this. Lots of us do. You screw up sometime. And when you screw up, you are dead convinced. Everybody thinks that you're a screw up. Everybody thinks and knows and has that in the front of their mind, you screwed up. On the other hand, Somebody else screws up. Maybe the exact same screw up you did. And you don't judge them nearly as harshly as you judge yourself. <laughs> oh, well, that's just life. Oh, screwing up is screwing up. We all do it. It actually maybe warms you toward them a little bit because it makes them feel human. But it doesn't occur to you that they might be doing in their brains the same thing that you are doing in your brain. And that is not judging you by the harshness that you are judging yourself Authenticity does not negatively impact friendship making. Here's what happens. Non-authenticity 
damages friendship making. The primary factor in that seven-year decline of closeness, not authenticity, not vulnerability. That's what kills relationships. So I've said this several times in this lesson. It's true for this one as well. Uh, Google is your friend. There is no shortage of creative ideas out there telling you how to simplify your life in order to make time for the things that matter. You can find all kinds of material out there. There are all kinds of ideas how to make time for what matters, all kinds of content about living authenticity, uh, living a life authentically. Uh, Brene Brown, like I mentioned, good place to start. That's not the hard part. Getting the ideas about how to streamline our lives, what to say no to, in order, that's not the hard part. It's hard. It's not the hard part. Figuring out how I'm going to develop the courage to talk to you authentically and honestly, that's hard, but that is not the hard part. Here's the hard part. The hard part is breaking the ingrained cycle in our society and in our own heads that we don't live this way. That's the hard part. Now here's something interesting. One of the best ways to break ingrained cycles in your head, have some authentic friends. <laughs> it really works. So, in Dwelling Divine, may we be cycle breakers. Amen. Well, if you would, uh, please prepare your offerings for the day. Uh, last week, we had a very short, well, semi-short community meeting right after the lesson. If you missed, I hope you will have a listen. If you're an ongoing part of the community, kind of important business for you to understand, you can get it on our website under resources, under audio. Also, there's a link to it in last Thursday's email. You can just search through your inbox. Uh, this is important community business. You need to know about it. If you think of Common Thread as your home, please have a listen. I think last week I may have underrepresented this truth. And that is what a generous community we are. Uh, we, yes, we have had moving expenses. That's true. Uh, yes, we've had people who moved away during the pandemic. All the stuff that I said last true. it takes time for newcomers to come on board and become financial supporters of the community. All those things are true. But we have always had a generous community. I feel very confident as we let everybody know where we are and where things stand that we will take care of our community because we have never not. Uh, there were times I didn't believe it but that was just because I didn't know this community that well then. Now I do. I'm pretty confident. So keep in mind what I say each week. We give our time, energy, dollars. The community takes that, uh, amplifies it, gives it back to us. We thrive, we flourish, we grow. Everybody, Doe Nights online now. Um, oh yeah, that's what we were supposed to have up there then. So online folks, um, we're going to dismiss you in just a moment and we're going to talk about uh, the lesson. And we would encourage you to do the same because it turns out that hearing content, helpful, especially stellar content like this, very helpful, but it's not transformative. Here's what's transformative. So we take that content and then we work it out in the context of relationships that we share with other people. But ostensibly, you live somewhere else. And so you can't be here in the room. So here's what we did. We started creating a weekly Zoom. And I know the people who are hosting that Zoom, and I know you're going to be safe. I know you're going to be comfortable. I know they're going to make it very easy for you and create the possibility that you can, in an online way, start making friends. So I hope you do that. Uh, the link is on the front page of our website, and the uh, 
what is it? 1417 is the code. 1417. God, I got to change that code because it is so close. Yeah. All right. We're going to dismiss the folks online. Uh, if you would, put your hand on your heart. And let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the dwelling divine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, what we call the fruit of the Spirit, it is within us. And let's look for opportunities, if we, you would extend your other hand to the city, opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair our world, to heal our world. Amen. God bless you all. You all are dismissed. We all are. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org, the donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.